On today's episode of Dance and Movement Therapy, we talk about what is dance movement therapy and in what ways it helps us. We also talk about what kind of mental health problems does dance movement therapy help us deal with. And then we go on to talk about how dance movement therapy is different or more beneficial than regular dancing or physical exercise. And we also discuss a lot more in this episode. This episode is in conversation with Sukriti Dua, who is a dance movement therapist. So let's get right into the episode. So in today's episode, we talk about dance and movement therapy. So I think my first question to you is, what is dance and movement therapy and in what ways does it help us? Right. Thanks for the question, Aman. So dance and movement therapy basically works on something we call the mind and body connection in which the mind and body are integrated and they both kind of function with respect to each other. So thus, it's an integrative approach. Uh, what happens in a dance movement therapy session ideally is that there are movement activities and then there is reflection based on that, which kind of leads to uh, understanding of whatever goals that might be addressed in that particular session or in a particular period as well. So in that, something that we call personal movement language is often used, which means an individual's way of moving their own body. It does not mean that there are certain ways in which your hands or legs can move. It is more related to how your body moves and what does that mean for you. So no one else gets to interpret that but you and what you felt while doing that. So it is usually used for uh, you can say health and wellness uh, goals, which can be individuals physical goals that is related to body, any stress within the body or any different somatic pains as well can be used for emotional as well, which is the feeling content or any cognitive and social as well. So cognitive meaning that it's related to brain capacities like memory, attention and uh, self concepts and social relating to how the individual feels in a social scenario or what is their social self like. So in general, all of this covers the individual self and behavioral aspects, which kind of together uh, are put down in a psychotherapy framework, uh, which is one which regular therapy, therapy also kinds of works with. So it kind of comes together to make the field of dance movement therapy and uh, work in these different sectors of health and wellness. Uh, so what kinds of mental health problems does dance movement therapy exactly help? Right. So it can be something or anything I would say that is the same in regular verbal therapy. So anyone who would go for verbal therapy, verbal psychotherapy for anything at all would be the same that the individual goes for a dance movement therapy session as well. The only thing being that maybe if they're more comfortable with movement on their own is maybe they would first approach it. So it can address challenges related to daily functioning, the different transitions that people may have in their life, relationships or various emotional needs also, along with any other associated difficulties related to a person's day to day life. This can also be done for just personal or self-growth and awareness as well. So you can say that it works with both clinical and non-clinical population. Clinical population being those that can be uh, necessarily, you can say, diagnosed and non-clinical being that are not diagnosed but are problems enough for the individual or they like to they would like to look at it for their personal growth. So that's what it kind of caters to in terms of uh, different aspects of mental health. So anything that regular verbal therapy also looks at. And uh, what are the basic features of a movement therapy based session? Right. So to define the features, I'd have to divide that into two aspects, probably like so there will dance movement therapy can be done in individual and group setup. So there can be different components in the session in both of these things. One can be the therapist or the facilitator. Another can be the therapeutic relationship and the third component being the individual or the group, right? 
So let's mm. starting with the individual group when they come into the session. There usually are the the features from them are you know they bring in the needs, the possibility of certain goals or things they would like to work at, or where they're at in this moment, and what are the things that are maybe bothering them at that particular point of time. Then that leads to a building of a therapeutic relationship. It could be both verbal and non-verbal. Verbal being where of course there's conversation involved, there's words involved. and nonverbal being one that can involve the body the movement where uh, the facilitator and the individual interact through movement as well or the facilitator takes part uh, as if as someone who is uh, just an observer while the entire group moves together if it's a group based work and it can also be through supplementary things like you know using art or drama based approaches so the therapeutic uh, relationship can involve both the verbal and nonverbal aspects and then the third uh, feature is coming in usually from the facilitator who is someone who offers the prompts or the movements or the reflective movements or questions that so uh, that one can uh, come in with as uh, they begin the sessions so you in like to take an example of a regular verbal therapy session where you might have certain questions being asked to you based on your experiences to be able to clarify for you what it means that same way it can also be offered in movement language terms and in verbal language terms as well in the session so it grows uh, goes differently maybe a little differently in individual and groups but usually has these three components which any uh, therapeutic work has and these components are defined by the different features each of them brings in which is the needs the modality and uh, the kind of content ah okay and are there any common misconceptions or otherwise any other restrictions in movement therapy work right so it usually has been uh, misconcepted quite often as i was mentioning in the previous one also that it is only for dancers or it is only for a certain age group like maybe children or people who do not have clinical problems necessarily so those are the most common uh, misconceptions being and i think i explained a little bit before as well for dancers for example it said that you know they can move so it would make sense for them to do it because it was only work for them but again that's not true they have to break down their own ways in which their body is used to moving in certain ways for example you know in classical uh, dances often you have certain ways of expressing happiness of expressing uh, shame guilt fear and those are the kind of ways that the individual is trained to do as from the dance form but they have to find their own ways in which they express fear maybe in which they express happiness and what does their body do at that point of time so that becomes a common misconception that it's only for dancers or it's only for children it's for all age groups and anyone facing any types of difficulty of course you would have to check in with the therapists or facilitators qualifications to know if they are equipped to handle that that would be one and um, there are people who also find out and often ask the question that uh, how will i understand if i only move so that is another misconception that movement uh, is the only aspect of it while there is a lot of verbal reflection involved there is a lot of otherwise reflection involved through art or maybe even any other images or metaphors as well that kind of do come in uh, i think in terms of restrictions uh, people usually believe that if i can't move i can't tell my problems so uh, one of the major aspects of movement therapy works involved so if it's someone who um, maybe let's say is not that comfortable with movement so those major aspects usually involved in the beginning to build the 
body awareness and the movement first before we can actually use the body uh, to be part of the process. You know, for example, let's say in any case where you would have someone communicate something to you or how we learn speech or how we're able to speak comes from the fact that first we're able to learn the language and, you know, put things together in that manner. So same way, if someone is uh, does not is not very aware in the beginning to start with, there is a lot of body awareness and movement building that does happen to uh, work towards building and making the individual a little bit more comfortable before they can start work. And uh, I think just to kind of address both of these things, uh, it is that movement therapy usually becomes like an indirect approach uh, where we do not directly necessarily address the problem at hand by talking about the problem at hand. We indulge more in reflection uh, in non-verbal manner and then bring it to uh, light in the verbal manner. So that usually they do usually do get addressed uh, and that kind of becomes an advantage on the other side one uh, on the other side as well. Like one side we're talking about misconceptions and restrictions. So this one becomes like an advantage that it's a slightly indirect approach. Right. So similar to what you just said, I wanted to ask if uh, dance movement therapy is a supplementary treatment or if it can produce results on its own, as well as how long it would generally take to uh, make a difference. Right. So uh, it can be both independent and supplemental. Independent in the format that uh, I've already mentioned a couple of times before, which is that the individual's needs would be matter would be mattering in that particular sense. That, for example, let's say the, there's an individual with various difficulties, transitions, or any challenges that is being faced. So it can be happening in that individual manner again, and it can happen independently in a group format as well for people facing similar types of things or looking at working at the similar thing, maybe like self growth. Uh, but in other formats, it can also work in a supplemental format, which is uh, usually in hospitals, rehabilitation centers or neurological centers, where it's used as a supplemental treatment to their already existing main treatments of, let's say, surgery or medication. So it's used to kind of uh, enhance their uh, individual self, their you know self-confidence, boost self-esteem and keeping their feelings in check while they are also under treatment. So it's used in both formats in that manner. Uh, and addressing the second thing that you had asked, which was about the timeline, right? The timeline for therapy. Yeah. So in, in, in timeline, usually I think this is the same thing that I do mention to clients also, that in therapy, we usually try and give a certain time to begin with. Let's say it could be five to six sessions or eight to 10 sessions for an individual to be able to tell whether there is whether it is actually finally making a difference. So usually two to three sessions go in about understanding and getting to know uh, the relationship that might exist in the professional manner as well. And then the uh, couple of following sessions are about starting the first set of making the first set of goals and starting to work with them as well. So uh, it can be done again in the individual format and in a group format, usually there are defined sessions. So group format, that's usually like, let's say that this group is going to meet for 10 Saturdays in a row and we will be exploring X, Y, Z topics. So in a group format, it's usually like uh, the number of people in a group is defined, what are the topics that will be explored and for how many sessions will the group be meeting that is defined beforehand. Uh, because then group signups happen accordingly as well. But in individual format, it is more to do with as and when the need arises and uh, both the, 
facilitator and the individual assess the goals uh, often, and then they keep going on forward according to that, if there are the needs that are joining in. Right. So since mental health problems uh, during this pandemic have risen, how has uh, dance and movement therapy helped people during this time? So as I mentioned before, again, is that it is an integrative approach. So what we are doing right now and what we are feeling right now, actually, is a lot to do with uh, stress, helplessness, hopelessness for some and even like worry or isolated feelings. These are like collective feelings that we're all going through at this particular point of time. And the most of these feelings are at this point mental in nature. Whereas what we don't realize is also that they very much reside in our physical bodies too. And they get stored in various forms as well. Like our body is also reacting to the stress in the same way, you know, to just give an example, like let's say on a very physically exhausting day, we come back home and we're not able to find ourselves in enough energy to sit down and, you know, respond to emails for the day, for that example. So we're not able to indulge in mental work if our physical is tired and even vice versa. So same way, while we're going through these feelings, they're finding a place in both our mind and body. So what DMT does is creates that integrative approach to be able to process it together. Uh, and mostly where uh, we have a lot of people end up leaving bodies in their conversations of regular experiences uh, much earlier because we tend to focus a lot on, you know, cognitive related work or things that person has to do and keep going and bodies end up becoming a backseat in the conversation. So this kind of helps integrate that. And um, just to give my experience from a group that I'm running with the Creative Movement Therapy Association of India, and uh, that's a dance movement therapy a free group for people who are either COVID survivors themselves or have family and caregivers who they may have lost or have been affected by the pandemic in many ways. So I can notice a lot of sharing, a lot of connection together, a lot of acknowledgement of feelings and acceptance of what they've been going through in the last few days. And it offers a space for them to connect in isolation, express feelings through different types of movement exploration that we do, and thus overall lead to like an integration of the experience that they've been going through. Like maybe one of them is at a different point, another one is at a different point. And when they do sharings after a movement activity, each other's sharings helps them uh, sort of um, understand a little bit more about where they're at and what they're feeling. And despite the fact that it might be all negative feelings, the connection together and the fact that everyone comes up with it at the same time gives some sort of instills some sort of hope. So I think that's where TMT is coming in handy right now to work with uh, all that we are going through as a country. Uh, right. And you've already spoken a bit about this earlier, but I'd just like you, if you could elaborate about how dance movement therapy is different or more beneficial uh, as compared to regular dancing or physical exercise. Right. So again, this is, I think, a very important question because the people often... Uh, misconstrue either for the other one so let's say if dance class is a lot more therapeutic in nature whereas dance movement therapy is a therapy format so therapeutic in nature meaning that it makes you feel good and uh, let's say you feel energized like you said it's a form of physical exercise it is usually like based on a routine or choreography that has to be done in many ways and it can be feeling good overall whereas movement therapy is uh 
has a lot of participation from the participants themselves it is focused on the individualistic movement language rather than a routine or a choreography and it is kind of accompanied by reflections within our therapeutic framework it focuses on like the journey or process of the individual rather than even if it's in the group rather than like a performance aspect which is there in the dance class then in a dance class usually you will have like an instructor in place or uh, and someone who's guiding you step by step whereas in the movement therapy session you will have someone who just facilitates the process for you or gives prompts for you to do that and does not uh, necessarily indicate everything exactly like you have to do and the space is very de determined together rather than like predetermined in forms of the instructor standing in the front and everyone following and uh, you know in that sense so in any professional therapy format it is more collaborative it is related to goals of personal growth whereas dance is the you know, regular dancing is about you know just either learning the choreography or expanding a person's movement range or their uh, the way in which their body can move in certain dance forms or another one so even when the individual is dancing by themselves they might feel good uh, in that particular moment and might energize them but it's not necessary that it has led to reflection or processing of emotions or uh, even is not based on let's say a particular goal towards what they want to work towards in general so it can be it can also be a little bit more short term and long term as well right so before we end can you recommend some organizations or psychologists that use dance and movement therapy for their clients in india right so um at this point dance and movement therapy is a very emerging field and it has been growing in the last few years quite often so large organizations have been around and smaller independent ones with independent practitioners who trained in india and international are coming up so there are organizations like the creative movement therapy association of india and kolkata shan shonved that are in the training space for a long time with workshops and group sessions and individual work as well along with the uh, simtai even having a chapter base across the country that you can access if you would like to experience movement based workshops or understand more about that and trainings as well other ones that have vast experience in therapeutic work um is synchrony from mumbai colors of gray cells in delhi and along with that adding to that smart from bangalore as well that also offer more expressive arts based stuff in general rather than just dance movement therapy so these are just that are some that are just coming from the top of my head of course there are a lot more emerging and uh, one can always just shoot over instagram and look at different places mm -hmm. to understand more about that uh, yeah i would just like to ask one thing is um is dance movement therapy something you would recommend to people in general to better understand their uh, body mind and behavior or would you say it's something you would recommend to someone who is particularly struggling with a certain problem it may be minor or it may be major but would you also recommend this to people who um, knowingly would say they are okay and don't feel any negative um, like strong negative emotions So I think first of all if someone is uh, not feeling anything that they need to work on of course therapy is not recommended in that case uh, the recommendation would only come once someone feels the need to explore something uh, but I would say having said that I think uh, the second part that you mentioned about for particular issues or not I would uh, definitely recommend it to someone if they're going through any issues related to 
somatic symptoms, which can be symptoms that are actually mental in nature, but represent through your body. For example, you know, feeling anxiety and fear, maybe through uh, different parts of your body or like having pain in certain part of your body whenever you're going through a personal um, mental difficulty in that particular moment. So of course, in that case, it would be very, very beneficial. But on the other hand, really based on the first thing that you had asked, it is generally, it can generally be great for integrating anyone's personal experiences because uh, sometimes we do end up leaving either the mind or the body in the conversation of our daily experience. And it can be beneficial to just understand and know more about yourself, which even regular therapy can be. So yeah, it can be recommended to anyone. And specifically, I would say it can be recommended also for people who might be facing body image or somatic symptoms related issues. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Sakriti, for being with us. Uh, I learned a lot from this episode, obviously. I did. And uh, to everyone who's uh, listening, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.